This is our last message on, um, my last message on the Westminster Confession of Faith. Let's turn to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. And uh, also, if you have your handout, the um, section 3 there is written on the handout, but if you, wanna, if you don't have a handout, it's page 939 in the back of your Psalter hymnal. But first, let's look at God's holy word as found in Matthew 24, starting in verse 32. Jesus says this, Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah, For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there will be two men in in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. So then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, My master is not coming for a long time and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour which he does not know and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the Section 3 of chapter 33 of the Westminster Confession says this, As Christ would have us to be certainly persuaded that there shall be a day of judgment, both to deter all men from sin and for the greater consolation of the godly in their adversity, so will he have that day unknown to men that they may shake off all all carnal security and be always watchful 
because they do not know at what hour the Lord will come and may ever be prepared to say, Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. Let's pray. O Father, help us to heed the warnings given in this passage. Help us, we pray, not to be wise in our own eyes, but help us to be careful in how we think and what we say and and what we read and what we listen to. Help us to have our feet uh, set firmly upon the rock of your holy, steadfast word, built upon the foundation of prophets and apostles, even with Jesus Christ as the chief, as the chief cornerstone. May Christ himself be the cornerstone of our holy faith. For we ask all these things in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. There are people that you hear from the pulpit and on the radio that Jesus is coming back very soon. I've been hearing this for years. Um, um, they say all the signs show it. And in this passage, um, we did read about some matters of signs. There were some verses before this, but let's just look at a couple of verses here. Matthew twenty-four thirty-two and following says, Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see these things, recognize that he is near, right at the door. So Jesus does say for us to watch the signs. But then he goes on and gives us some warnings here in this particular passage. Um, uh, I want us to, before we start looking at that, I want us to have a little overview of Matthew 24. Matthew 24 um, I want us to look back a little bit in verse 2. He says, Jesus says this, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you that not one stone here will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. And he says that concerning the temple. As him and the disciples are looking at the temple, that's what they're looking at. They're looking at the temple and Jesus says, Not one stone of this building will be left upon another. Now, the chapter, the entire chapter of Matthew 24 of what follows is an answer to the following questions that are mentioned here in verse 3. The disciples asked Jesus, Tell us when these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. This is not one question, but three questions. Now, the temple's no longer standing. And if you've ever seen the Temple Mount, that temple is, was totally gone. There is no longer one stone standing upon another on that Temple Mount. So some of Matthew 24 has already come to pass. But not all of it, because some of Matthew 24 answers this question, when will the end of the age be? And that is when Jesus Christ comes back to judge the world. The, uh, we would call that um, the final judgment. The book of Revelation is the same. The book of Revelation deals not just with the final judgment, it deals with the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, but it also foretells of the final judgment. 
So both there's a parallel here, both regarding Matthew 24 and regarding the book of Revelation. Some has come to pass, but not all, because there's still that final judgment, that final return of Jesus Christ. Now, there is a um, group uh, that's, well, you might be familiar with this. You might listen to it. American Family Radio here in the South, based out of Mississippi. Um, it's, it, there's some decent programming on it. Um, Alistair Begg is on there sometimes, and that's good, worthy, um, some great sermons from Al- Alistair Begg. But um, that fa- American Family Radio should not be confused with Family Radio. Family Radio was based out of, Cal- out of California. It was popular in New Jersey when I lived up there, when I worked in Pennsylvania and all that. But this Family Radio, not to be confused with American Family Radio, had a, a president um, named Harold Camping. Now, to give you an idea of how big this radio station was, they had 150 markets at its peak, uh, mentioned 150, I guess you could say 150 radio stations that were playing their stuff. That's a lot of radio stations. But the president, Harold Camping, first predicted the end of the world in 1994. That didn't come to pass. Then he predicted the end of the world in 2005. That didn't come to pass. Then he predicted the end of the world in 2011. Well, we're still here. That, that didn't come to pass. Now, instead of owning his terrible mistakes, he claimed that what actually happened was not the end of the world, but the end of the church age. And he even urged people to leave the church. Um, I don't know why, but he, I guess he forgot the words of the Lord Jesus where in Matthew 16, 18, he says... The gates of hell will not overpower his church. How is that possible if the church is, is, is going to be done with, gone, finished? Matthew 16, 18 makes total nonsense, according to Harold Camping. Um, the key verses that I want us to study tonight is not all of Matthew, 20, of Matthew 24, but really we're going to be looking at verses 42 to the end of the chapter. But... One matter, one matter that I wish that Harold Camping and these other people who like to set dates of the end of the world would pay attention to is what's written there in Matthew twenty-four forty-two. Jesus said, Be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Now, section three of the Westminster Confession of Faith Likewise says, using the same language from Matthew 24, he, that is God, will have that day unknown to men who should always be watchful because they know not at what hour the Lord will come. Now, Harold Camping should have paid attention to verse 42 of this passage. By the way, after his last failed um, date prediction. He had ended up having a stroke, and then later on fell and died around uh, 2013, I believe it was. Um, it's not just Harold Camping. I, I've been listening on the radio, and I, I heard a broadcast, um, 
and it was whenever I hear this it's always on the same radio show which I I really try not to listen to because it very much irks me terribly but it's from Janet Markell with Olive Branch Ministries and it's um, I think it's called Understanding the Times so one of the guests that she had on this past Saturday said he was assured because of what signs he saw that Christ was coming back in his lifetime well, he could, but how do we know for sure? Um, four years ago, Janet Markell uh, did a message. She actually preached at a church, which is unlawful. Um, it shouldn't be allowed that, because women shouldn't be allowed to preach, but this particular pastor let her preach anyway at a church. Um, and her message was giving 15 signs for the imminent return of Christ, saying that we are the terminal generation that it's going to happen in our generation. So they're more careful, they're more broad. They don't want to set a, a year like Harold Camping, but they want, to, they want to say, oh, my lifetime. Oh, well, not my lifetime, but in this generation. Well, okay, you know. Again, these two examples of modern-day broad date setting are still contrary to what's written in Matthew 24, 42, when Jesus says, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But some people don't want to listen to what Scripture says, and they want to start setting dates anyway. Section 3 opens by saying this, Christ would have us to be certainly persuaded that there shall be a day of judgment. And he gives some reasons. Both to deter all men from sin and for the greater consolation of the godly in their adversity. So let's look again at these two purposes, the two main purposes for the judgment given in section 3 here, is the coming judgment should deter, it should keep all men away from sin. Um, the section um, 3 here later expands on that, saying, We have that day unknown to men, that they should shake off all carnal security and be always watchful because they know not at what hour the Lord will come. And here's where I want us to go back at Matthew 24 and read some of these passages again, uh, especially 43 through the end of the chapter. Uh, 43 through the end of the chapter gives a great warning against those who might want to say, well, I'm going to continue in sin because Jesus is not coming back for a good time. It says in verse 43 and following, But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. So then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master puts in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time, and begins to beat his fellow slaves and to eat and drink 
with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour when he does not know and he will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites and that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The key thing I want us to find out here is that we see in this passage that there's a slave who says, well, he's not coming for a good long time, therefore I don't have to worry, I can live it up. I could have a, a good old time and, you know, be in a life of debauchery. Now, here's the thing. We don't know when Jesus will come back to judge. And his judgment, he could come back today. He could come back tonight. He could come back tomorrow. We don't know. That's why we have to always be ready. However, if someone is resting assured that Jesus is not going to come back and return for years... And I've heard, I've heard an older person one time say this. Well, you know, I could become religious when I get older. And, and when I'm elderly, then I'll, I'll, turn, I'll, I'll become, you know... But now I can just... I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to... Maybe I don't have to even give any tithes and offerings. I don't have to go to church. But when I get to be older, yeah, that's when I could, that's when I could start beginning to be a religious person and serve the Lord. Well, some people do that, actually. But... You know, whether Jesus returns or whether you, you, you get in a terrible automobile accident and get smashed up and have to answer the Lord, that could very well happen. Now, another twist on this is someone saying, Jesus is coming back in 2011 because Harold Camping and his group said so and they put up lots of bulletin boards and they, they spent a lot of money on advertising. And some people were so assured that the end of the world was coming in 2011 that they got in great debt. What's the logic in that? Well, Jesus is coming back in 2011. I'm not going to have to pay this back. Oops, Jesus didn't come back in 2011. Now i got this extreme amount of debt. Harold Camping and that radio station, Family Radio, spent $5 million. It was estimated $5 million on advertisement for this event. It, they spent so much money that they didn't have available to them that they had to close down a lot of the radio stations and let a lot of people go. They had to basically fire a lot of people and close down the radio stations because they, they went and spent so much money because, oh, well, we're not going to need that money. We're not going to be here because Jesus is coming back in 2011. So this uh, notion here of date setting as well can lead people into sin. Not just, Je- not just Jesus is coming back way, 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 way far away, but Jesus is coming back tomorrow can, can lead people into other areas of sin. The fact that Christ, this is a, the second reason the, the confession gives for why um, there's a, uh, reasons for the judgment the second reason for the judgment and the fact that Christ will judge the wicked, it's for the purpose of greater consolation of the godly and their adversity. Now think about those who are facing terrible persecution in Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. Imagine those people in Sudan um, who are being, or at, at, at a particular time in history, were basically being starved to death because of a holy jihad that the the Muslims were executing against them. 
Now, I don't know about you, but if I was suffering horribly and, and my, my children were dying because of starvation, I would, it would be a consolation to me to know that God's going to judge the wicked, that people who think they're getting away with certain sins will not, but God will judge them. And in, in every case, when you know, those who are wicked, they will, um, the godly will be avenged, but it's God's duty to avenge. Now, one last thing. Some of you might fear the judgment. A lot of people fear the judgment. And there's some aspects about the judgment, the coming judgment, that should be fearful. But if you're firmly rooted in Christ, if you know that Jesus Christ has died for your sins, if you know that Jesus Christ has perfectly obeyed the law for you, If you know that you have a perfect, steadfast, solid redemption because of what Jesus has done, you don't have to fear the coming judgment. You can say, as the Westminster Confession of Faith says in the closing statement, not only for this section, but for the entire confession, you can say, you could ever be prepared to say, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. If you are in a right standing with God through Jesus our Lord, you don't have to be afraid. You can say, Jesus, I want you to come back because I want to be redeemed because really this eternal glory with you is far better than this place. So you shouldn't be afraid. You you should pray, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. The two passages that are classic regarding this are, are listed there. 2 Corinthians 16, 22. If anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. Maranatha. This word here means, Oh, our Lord, come. That's something we should pray more, shouldn't we? Maranatha. Oh, Lord, come and judge. Revelation 22, verse 20, at the end of the book says, He who testifies these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And so John's, some of John's final words in, in the end of this book is, he says, Come, Lord Jesus. I want you to come. I need you to come. You shouldn't, if you are rooted in Christ, you shouldn't fear the judgment. You should be able to, to long for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and for that wonderful, great day of judgment. The great day of judgment for those who are in Christ will not be a day of fear and dread. It will be a day of vindication, a a day of great joy, a, a day of exaltation, exalting of the Lord Jesus Christ, but also the sons of God will shine and reflect the glory of their Lord. Let's pray together. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would come quickly. We pray that you would work in the hearts and minds of your people, that you would gather in your elect, that those who are called according to your name would come into your church, that you would gather in all those saints that you have intended, that you would even provoke Israel to jealousy, that you would remove the blind eyes from them, that the scales would fall from their eyes, that they would receive 
the blessed Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that they would receive that holy Messiah that they have rejected for so long, that you would gather in your saints and that you would come quickly. Help us, we pray, to always be ready. Help us not to to live in sin because we, we are thinking that the judgment is far off, but help us, we pray, to be always ready for you to come back at any time. And we ask that you would bless us with a greater sense of confidence in our eternal salvation. Help us to rest not in ourselves, not in our failure to keep uh, your law, but help us to rest in Christ, our glorious Savior who's died for our sins, who even was obedient for our sakes. Help us, we pray, to put our faith in him. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. For we ask all these things in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, let's turn to 389. Great God, what do I see and hear? Let's stand and sing 389.